Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Men podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Your co-hosts, Jamie Albright and Sarah Rosette, couldn't be more different. In fact, they're a study in contrasts. However, despite all of their differences, they agree that sharing what they wish they'd known, both the good and the bad, is the key to moving forward. Let's get to the show. Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Them podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And today we have Joe Solari. And I think you guys are going to be really happy and interested in this podcast. I know I was. um, Yeah, it's a really good interview. And we talk about this whole COVID-19 thing and how sort of how to approach it uh, from a business owner's point of view, like mindset, making plans for short term and long term, really good stuff, really helpful. Yeah, Joe's really smart and he's been helping in the author community for a while with their uh, just giving financial advice and helping them with planning and stuff. And I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I I took some notes and uh, learned quite a bit during this So, yeah. yeah, so we need all the help we can get right now. So exactly. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> so, all right. So here's the interview. Joe Solari is an author, entrepreneur, and consultant. He writes on the topics of energy, the environment, and on how to reduce risk in your entrepreneurial ventures. Joe graduated with a BFA from the School of the Art Institute and an MBA from the Chicago Booth School of Business. He has been an owner, investor, partner, and operator of numerous businesses. So we're really excited to have Joe Solari with us here today. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing great. Hey, Joe. Hey, good to see you again. Glad to have you here. Um, So tell us, how did you get into helping writers? Well, yeah, it's that's not the kind of thing you uh, you know you draw with your crayons as a little kid, right? That I'm going to grow up and help writers. Um, And so. It's like anything, it's one of these weird uh, paths. And I think before I kind of like give you the, like the blow by blow of how I got here, understand um, kind of one of the things that I've learned and I, I bring to everything is, is the idea of connection mm-hmm. and helping there be some kind of creativity, whether it's my own or people I'm working with. And so, for example, like when I meet somebody, I'm trying to think about how I can help them who I know may be able to help them or who they could help that I know, right? So with that as kind of a background, mm-hmm. you know, my business career started out in industrial water treatment and the oil and gas industry. So it had nothing to do with authors. Mm-hmm. And when I was running my last, you know, kind of bigger business, it was an oil and gas services business. We had raised uh, 21 million bucks in 18 months, and I was like doing crazy stuff with, you know, uh, publicly traded investors. And my wife mentions that she's going to write a book, <laughs> and like most husbands, I gave it about 25 percent of my attention. Right? I was like, "Yeah, it's great, honey." And then I was off doing my stuff. And then one day, um, she came to me. She said, "Hey, you know, I'm having some issues with this uh, Amazon account." And I'm kind of the tech person in the house. So I take a look and it wasn't the Amazon account. It was a KDP, KDP account, which I'd never heard of, right? And I see that there's 4,000 bucks sitting in her account. 
Okay. And he went, hmm. So I suddenly got really interested, right? Um, like, what's this whole self-publishing thing? And knowing that this was going to be important to her, and that I started going down that rabbit hole, right? Listening to podcasts and understanding. And I mean, this is a deep rabbit hole once you start going after it, right? And then um, kind of fast forward, I sold that business and it was deciding what I was going to do. And I was like, well, she was successful with that. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book about uh, business operations, like all my scar tissue that I've developed over the years, helping small business owners understand the operational piece, the stuff you can't learn at a business school and people don't tell you. It's not aspirational. It's like what you need to do nuts and bolts with the business. Mm-hmm. And um, weird thing is, you know, you put out a book, you never know who's going to respond to it. I started having indie authors contact me. And um, one of them was uh, Craig Martell and the 20 Books Group. And I got pulled into that to the point of where they asked me to come speak at their first conference. And that's where I really got my mind blown um, because I was meeting authors. I, I really didn't have a feel for like how big this fiction piece had gotten. Mm-hmm. And I'm meeting authors and they're you know, like, I had this one particular author. He's like, yeah, I made $50,000. And I was like, well, that's pretty good for a year selling books. <laughs> and he's like, and I think next month, you know, I've got a new release. It'll probably be closer to 70 or 80,000. I'm like a month. Like, yeah. And it's like, but you just told me you quit your job. Like, <laughs> like four months ago. Like, so granted you meet people there that have never written a book too. But the point is, is that I saw the, the scope of this business and I was getting a lot of people there asking me, um, for help. Like, Hey, I need accounting help. Hey, I need bookkeeping help. Hey, I need this kind of help. And that's where getting back to what I first brought up, that's where things start to connect for me. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I'm not an accountant. I'm a business guy that knows a lot about accounting, but I have people that I know. So like, I was like, well, I know this lady who's a CPA. Her name's Lisa Gardina. She used to work for Oprah Winfrey. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And She's really good with kind of the, the, the financial piece, and she helped our businesses over time. I wonder if Lisa would be interested. So I called her up, and that became the, the, the foundation of us being able to help authors and build a business system for authors as Lisa partnered with me, and we just started helping first these high net worth authors, helping them, and then from there we realize, hey, there's this business system we have. There's this process that authors need to deal with. A lot of it is, let's say 70% of it's just like basic small business stuff. Mm-hmm. And the other 30% is really specific to being an author. And most accountants don't understand it. So that's what we've kind of gone out and helped other authors, or, you know, gone out in the community and helped them, whether it's through books or courses or like mm-hmm. this back office thing we do for some folks. That's great. great. Yeah, that's great because uh, the author business is a little, uh, we're a little under the radar. Like you were saying, a lot of people don't know. And then once you start making money, there's not a lot of people who specifically understand yeah. how that works. As, we, yeah. as Jamie and I have discovered. <laughs> we, yeah, uh, we, our accountant, we got, we went back to an accountant we used like years ago we had a business. And so we went back to him when, you know, my income started going up and um, he, my husband called him and said, you know, she's, she's writing. And I mean, he said, Oh, I have other authors. And, and we were like, great. And then my husband goes in and, you know, gives him the information. He's like, um, 
it's kind of the same thing. She made this in a year. (laughs) And I said, yeah. And he said, okay, my other authors don't do this, which made me nervous, but you know, he's done pretty well, but I I see what you're saying. They're just things they don't get. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll give you another good one as example with the author thing. That's like, we just accept as something you do and accountants actually really hate. Um, And Lisa's learned to deal with it. Right. And that's PayPal. Oh yeah. Right. Like authors mm-hmm. like our accountants are like, why would don't do that? You should do this, this, all this other way. And it's like, no, you don't understand. There's this whole contractor ecosystem built around that. Mm-hmm. You have to use it. Mm-hmm. You're expected to use it. And the fact that it's hard for you to, you know, get your books to balance in QuickBooks, like mm-hmm. that's your problem. Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> you figure it out. Right. <laughs> it's true. It's and, true. And, you know, and, and, um, and I'm, Constantly, it's probably about once a quarter. I have to have Lisa go into my QuickBooks account and be like, "Can you fix all my PayPal stuff again?" Yeah, yeah and she tells great. me. <laughs> yeah, but it can be a challenge too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and we've seen some. Um, we've seen some. You know, there's. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of great CPAs out there that know that mm-hmm. know what they're doing. But we've seen some stuff that's just they didn't know what to do, so they tried to do stuff, and it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And um, in the end, they're not going to pay your tax bill. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> Very true. <laughs> well, let's pivot a little bit and talk about like what's going on in the world. One reason we wanted to talk to you was um, just this whole COVID-19 thing. Um, give us sort of your assessment of what's going on with that um, right now for authors. And then sort of what do you see the impacts long term? Sure, sure. So, um, you know, when when this first started coming onto the news scene and I saw stuff that was going on in China, um, <clears throat> my initial approach was thinking about it like a lot of the other uh, breakout outbreak epidemic things that have happened. And like, typically they get overreaction, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at what happens in the stock market, uh, there's some, some significant sell off, but it comes back really quickly. And, and none of the previous outbreaks have caused a recession. They may have made some people lose money short term in the stock market, but they haven't caused an economic impact. And so my, you know, my initial thinking was, was like, well, that's probably what this is going to be. Um, but it quickly changed. And when I, I saw um, a, a guy named John Bullard, who's the president of the St. Louis Fed, uh, speak, and he said that they're looking for a planned shutdown of the economy to come combat this. And this was like, uh, you know, February ish timeframe mm-hmm. and that the, they expected that it would be 50% of the U S GDP. Mm. Right. So now that's great that it's planned. It's not something like a past um, recession causing event, like the, the uh, mortgage crisis where like mm-hmm. there was just monkey shines going on and then it all broke apart. This, this is, we all know why it's happening is we're, we're not, we're being told not to go into work. We're, we're, you can't go to certain places. Like even if you like to eat out too bad, (laughs) like all this stuff, when you take an economy as big as the United States and you shut it down, it's going to have a long-term impact. So like, how do we look at that? If you look at past um, recessions, they typically take about 1000 days to go from uh, you know, the peak down to whatever their bottom is back to where they were. 
So there's going to be this long-term play out. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to be like living in our houses for the next thousand days. What I'm saying is, is that when you think about how the economy goes in these, these up and down waves, you have to have a short-term and a long-term approach and understand that you're going to have, you know, maybe up to three years where it takes for things to get back to normal, right? Um, to be a little more positive about this, think about this, like, the world's been through a lot of huge epidemics, mm-hmm. right? Like we talk about um, the the Spanish flu. That was that wasn't that was a hundred years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And at that time when that happened, medical technology was at the peak of the time, right? Like compared to a hundred years before that, they knew stuff that was like space age, mm-hmm. right? But they were still like treatment was enemas and whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but my reason I bring that up is like as poorly as that was handled based on that time frame, the economy bounced back. Mm-hmm. And where we are today is so much better economically and health and everything than it was then. So like it always gets better. Like we think it's good. You know, we always say oh, the, the old used to be better in the old times. No, it didn't. Like I don't want to go live back when the Romans lived. I want to <laughs> look at now. So I, I think you, you have to think about this a couple ways is that, um, there's going to be this time that we have to get through short term. And then what are you going to do long term uh, with your business? Did that, did that help? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us what some of the short term things that an author can do. Sure. So, um, and we talked a little bit this before we got on the call. It's like one of my big things, what message I want to get across to authors is that, you know, if you're like Jamie here, who's, you know, just turned 25, she's got probably what, yes. another 60 years in your career? At least. <laughs> so this won't be your only downturn, mm-hmm. right? So what we want to do is we want to get you through this one. Like if you don't survive this one, you don't get to enjoy the future ones. Mm-hmm. And then taking some things to prepare so you do, so the, the future ones aren't as impactful. And that's the problem is usually um, when, I, when I thought about the, the author community, you know, a lot of folks, this not only may be their first economic downturn, but it's the first time that they're doing this as a entrepreneur where they are the sole business owner and they're responsible for their um, uh, full income. And that's Maybe scary. Their whole household, yeah. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times, the, you know, with like a lot of, a lot of our clients is like, they're this, the big breadwinner. Like, mm-hmm. And oh, just recently maybe made some decisions for the hubby to leave his job and come right. work. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so stressful. Yeah. Very, very stressful. Right. So um, how do we think through that? So you're, you're familiar with the, the hero's journey, right? Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. Everybody got so like, why is that? Why does that resonate so much? Well, it's because it's the whole idea of an unlikely hero saving the world, right? Mm-hmm. Having to go through these, these circumstances that are, are pretty terrible. Well, that's life. Like, that's what you're going to go through right now. You have to think about yourself as kind of being that unlikely hero. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to go through this process and learn some things that are going to help you save your world, right? Mm-hmm. And... Um, so I, I think that, again, getting to the short-term stuff, first thing you have to do is you have to write. Like, I know for myself, it has been really, really hard 
to stay focused. Mm-hmm. It's it's so easy to get pulled into what the latest news cycle is, and um, and really get, getting that writing done so that you're from a business perspective, you ha- you're producing right. You have to make the donuts if you're running the donut shop, but also just like you're writing is an escape for your readers, your customers. You know, for most writers that I know, this is their daydream world. Like it's a good place to go. Mm-hmm. So yeah. go there. <laughs> Go hang out with your characters in a nice town where they don't have COVID. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So that's one thing. Um, The the other part of this is uh, stress testing your business. Like um, it can get scary, but looking at what happens if if your business plan is um, not met, right? So I guess there's this first step before that is like, do you even have a plan? A lot of folks don't, right? And if, um, let me give you an example. So um, most authors that are in KDP, say 70%, 60, 70% of their revenue comes from KDP, right? And while KDP may be, uh, more resistant to downturns because it's a subscription service and it's just people can, no matter what, the nine bucks that it costs is the nine bucks, right? And they can read as much as they want. But if that other 30% of your business is sales and sales drop by 50%, your revenue just dropped by 15%. What does that mean for your business? And if you don't look at that ahead of time, then you don't know how to react, Right. Right. So one of the things we've done is we've stress test all of our author authors' businesses. I, I've got a spreadsheet we can provide links to. It's free. You don't have to give me your email or anything like that. It's just something you can put your plan into and then test at these different levels. And then you understand like, okay, if I see that my sales are coming off, um, what am I going to do? What, the th- what are the things I'm going to cut? What are the things I'm going to pull, pull back on? Right. Um, and some authors are in some pretty precarious places when it comes to when you you look at authors that are spending 30% of their profits on advertising, right? So yeah. I had to mute because we got a baby in the other room getting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, no, that's, yeah, definitely. I, I'm, I'm there, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, that's the other thing is like where, how do you cycle through those kind of things? And as, as scary as this may sound for some folks, this may be the time where you cut back on advertising because you have no reference point to what it's going to do for you. Right. And, um, you know, the reality is, is that people aren't on Amazon looking for books and leisure stuff. Right. right? Um, so, and, and believe me, Amazon's going to do fine. They'll be around at the end of this thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, you know, sometimes it's just, it, you know, authors are in a good spot because when you look at, say, that, that the idea of cutting back on your advertising today, that's dollars saved today that are, you get to keep mm-hmm. because holding on to cash is really important. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, you're spending, say, $10,000 a month on advertising or $1,000 a month, percentage-wise, it's the same for your business, 30%. You hold that money today, and then you're going to see the impact. And let's say you're, say, 
you know, no matter what, your sales are probably going to drop, right? Now, how much of that is just the conditions of the market and how much of that is because you cut back advertising? You've got 60 days to get prepared because that cash isn't coming for another 60 days. So you have, you're really going back into some real business basics of cash flow management. And, and a dollar that you can hold on today is worth more to you. So you would recommend that authors really concentrate on controlling their spending. And then would you also recommend they maybe see if they can find other ways to bring in income besides just book sales? Or do you think it will be, what would you recommend? Well, I think that, I mean, I'm a big proponent of finding multiple channels for your, your revenue. And I think that we're in a golden age of content creation. And this is just, this blip isn't stopping that. It's going to be bigger and better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, your intellectual property has all different kinds of ways to make money. Um, and if you were in a strong financial position, like if you're sitting, at, if, if you're an author that's sitting on a bunch of cash and you can you can be proactive and aggressive in a downturn. That's really what you want to do if you're in that position, right? If you can, you can do that stuff where you can be aggressive with audiobooks. But you also have to understand, like, if you were thinking, hey, I'm going to go and start releasing subscription boxes around my characters, you know, there might be a little problem with that right now when people, you know, your, <clears throat> your, your, your community is not, they're holding their money back, right? They, right. they may love your characters and want to do it, but 75 bucks for a subscription box right now is money they need because they think their husband's going to get laid off, mm-hmm. right? So you have to think kind of th- these things cascade, right? It's just like the Chinese market's not going to recover until we recover because they sell us most of their stuff. Well, that's the same thing at the author level and at the community level and all these, we're all tied together. Mm -hmm. And when we see this constraint happen on spending two ways, one, either people lose their jobs or two, they listen to advice like mine and I'm telling you to hold on to your money, Mm -hmm. right? Everyone starts holding on to their money. Nobody's spending money. Right. Right. Now the flip side of that is how the government is going to, get us out of this is they are going to create a ton of new money and push it out into the system. And we saw they were successful with that after 2008. So they're going to run that same playbook again, except they're going to do it t- times 10 X. Mm-hmm. So what you'll see is when the recovery comes back, it will come back and the stock market will go way, way higher because that money has nowhere else to go. And people will spend more in discretionary, but we have to go through, the cycle. And that's the bigger story for authors here is that this won't be your only cycle, right? So like get through this first one and then, you know, take the time to figure out what you need to get in place. So when the next one happens, you're better prepared. Okay. Are there any more short-term things that you can think of before we go on? No, I think that's, I mean, the, really the big thing is, is, is conserving your cash. And I would, I would just add into that, because most authors, this is, you know, even if they have a more formalized structure, like they have a, an LLC set up and they have an S, you know, they've got it set up as an S corp and all the stuff we talk about. In the end, the business money and the family money is kind of the same. So you really have to look at that, those two layers, right? Like, is there stuff that has to be cut back at the family level? 
you know, what, what are the essentials and what are the just kind of nice to haves? Um, because, you know, the same, and the same goes for the business. What are those things where you can conserve cash? Um, you may find out in four weeks time that you can go back to how you were spending, but you don't want to, you're not going to outspend an economic downturn. Yeah, we're not the government. We can't take the same approach. Well, <laughs> and look creating at look money. At, right. And look at what happens. You bring up a good point there is like, even though they can literally produce money out of thin air, it has to be put into the economy. And, you know, for example, there's all this talk about the um, economic impact disaster loans and the uh, uh, payroll protection program. They get all these acronyms all messed mm-hmm. up. So it's like, then you hear guys, you're going to get a check for 10,000 bucks. And like, okay, well, let's put this into perspective. The guys that do loans, these small banks, they do about $30 billion a year in loans. All of a sudden, they're told to do $350 billion in loans. So mm-hmm. 10x, we want you to do it now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And oh, all your employees are at home because we told you to shelter in place. Why aren't you getting the money out? Mm-hmm. Right? So th- until that money gets through that system, and oh, by the way, the people that are doing that job, they want to do their job right. So they have certain boxes that they have to tick mm-hmm. and they have to walk you through a process. And so until you get through that, that money doesn't get into place. So I, I think that um, authors have to think the same way is that you you, you even if you have the cash, what are you going to spend it on that's going to be effective? And we were talking about, you know, if there's a, you know, creating a new revenue stream, probably not create a new revenue stream, but it might be the opportunity to do some things that you may have been holding back on that, you know, are mm-hmm. solid revenue streams, like getting some more audiobooks produced because you know, yeah. your audio narrator's free now. <laughs> <laughs> and that will eventually pay off. Yeah. Yeah. You know that that's going to pay off. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Well, so, I'm, also, I'm embarrassed about how much money we have saved this month, though. Not going out to eat, not going, me not going to the movie because I love to go to the movie. I mean, just things like that. It's a little bit embarrassing. Um, and I will tell you that my husband is not the spender. <laughs> yeah. I so said I'm becoming more and more like my grandparents every day. I'm like, yeah. no, don't throw that away. There's like, you know, a little more. Well, one of the other businesses I work on is uh, a family business. Uh, it's my father-in-law's business. It's a hundred year old home brewing supply business. It's actually doing really well um, in this economy. But a lot of the things that he does is because he's a child of the depression. Mm-hmm. And like right now he seems like the smartest guy in the room. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right, because he's sitting on a ton of cash. He can be really aggressive. He doesn't have to worry about how payroll is going to be met. Now, what other times people are like, "What's you know? He, why is he holding on to all his money?" Well, because he's been through these things and he understands that it's not that you have to. You don't. You're not trying to predict this stuff. You're trying to prepare for it, right? Because it's never the same thing twice. Right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. having that cash reserve. Um, all of a sudden makes him just sleep better at night. Yeah. So that's like one of the long-term things you can do, right? Is yeah. Like have some cash. So let's talk about that a little bit. Like what long-term things should we be thinking about for down the road? Right. So, and, and this is, um, 
there's two parts to this really. There's how you want to get the business prepared for um, something like a downturn like this. But also I think with authors, they forget this. The whole idea of having a business like this is that it's to serve them, mm-hmm. right? It's, it needs to be designed in a way that it creates the life that they want. Now, whatever that is, you have to decide. And a lot of times they don't think that way. Like, I mean, if you, in your business, not only are you the employee and the business manager and the head of marketing, but you're also the investor, mm-hmm. right? And the investors needs Trump everybody's because it's their money that's in this thing. So what, what is, what do you as the investor want out of this thing long term? Are you, you know, are you trying to pay down dad? Are you trying to put kids through school? All that kind of stuff needs to be part of that plan. Um, underlying that you, you start to need to get the business to be more robust. Right. Um, and so that means changing how you do your, your planning of the business where I know a lot of people have been very, very aggressive and this gets us back to advertising where they're tipping all their money back into advertising and making sure that there's, you know, more success on each launch. And I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer in that strategy because when you look at how cumulative advantage works, where each cycle, each launch builds a bigger audience that brings more audience and, I mean, we could talk a whole nother show about that. I mean, that, that, that success works, but now you have to think like, well, I can't tip everything in, right? I need to start working through some things where I know that I have a buffer in my business of whatever makes you comfortable. Now, you kind of have a built-in one with the way Amazon pays you and that you got that 60 days, but mm-hmm. um, you think about it, whether it's something like this, or some change that Amazon makes, um, how much time do you need to respond and be comfortable? Is it, is it six months? Well, then you need to have six months buffer, right? Mm-hmm. And because you're responsible for the whole family, that isn't just the business operating cash flow, but it has to support your, your family income. Like you can't fire your one employee. Right. <laughs> Especially if it's your spouse you just hired. <laughs> right, right. That makes for some interest. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're gonna have to lay you off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say that because you know, last year I was very aggressive with my advertising, but it was for a purpose. It was for visibility. I wanted because I don't have a lot of books. I wanted, um, you know, I wanted to be seen with the with other romance authors who do have a lot of books who are doing really well, and it worked. Like I, I was, but this year my goal was to kind of make more, spend less, sort of thing. So I was sort of already on that path, mm-hmm. but um, and right now I am, but I don't. You know, it's it's scary. It's scary to think. If I just put a little bit more in, I can maybe make a little bit more. So, you know, it's, it's like, but that, that's good advice. Hold yeah, on, well, and I, I think that I was already working on this with some of my authors because, you know, some of the folks that I'm working with, like, they're the name everybody else is advertising on. Yeah. So where do those people go, right? Like, and to, to make them move in rank, you know, they're already spending tens of thousands of dollars in advertising. So Right. So one of the things that we were looking at and I think is relevant in this space is like, well, 
where is the best advertising, not, not advertising, but where's your best marketing dollar spent? Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think there's going to be a fundamental shift in how authors do this stuff. And you're starting to see it manifest out in the community where the money isn't going to Amazon and Facebook. The, the money is going into their community, mm-hmm. right? So they're doing things to directly engage with their community, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, giving away stuff, swag, or, I mean, we've all kind of done some of that stuff on a, a smaller level, but really thinking about how you can um, get more bang for your buck. Because like when you do something like you send out launch boxes to your fans, you know, your, your super fans, and then they take that and start putting that out on social media. And then you leverage that on social media and any of your advertising, you start to see this really compounding effect that you don't get with just slamming money into Facebook. Right. And, you know, it's just a more genuine thing when it's user generated content that your fans are like losing their mind over the fact that, you know, they got a copy of your book signed by you as an early release. And there was, you know, whatever there was in the box or however you're like trying to do your thing. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think that that stuff um, is more relevant now when people are not only are they cutting back on their spending, but they're, you know, they're kind of freaking out too. Right. So like if you're kind of engaging your fans on that level, you're, you're, you're tapping into um a deeper relationship it get, because that's really what you want is something that's beyond a commercial relationship. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question because this is actually, this is a personal question, but I know there are other people out there who have this question like new releases. I'm releasing a book that is not one of my normal brides books. It's a different, it's, it's still romantic comedy, but it's a different sort of genre. And I have been thinking that I would hold on to it, but Recent, just in the last couple of days, I thought, no, I maybe should need to, I maybe should just release it and see what happens. I don't know. I mean, what you're saying write more. Are you also saying published more? Well, um, no, I'm not. I'm, um, I think you have, I, I think it's the, the, the writing piece is important that as a, as an author, if you're not comfortable releasing books now for whatever mm-hmm. reason, we'll kind of talk about that in a second just keep writing, right? Mm-hmm. It's that, that, that production. There's a couple of things. One is it may not be your best work. Mm-hmm. It may be the foundation of something that can be really great, but because with all the stuff that's going on and the dog right. barking and the kids right. not being able to log into school and like you're, you're, you're doing something kind of therapeutic and getting the base story out, but like mm-hmm. it may need another role. Right? Yeah. Um, so, but when you come to thinking about launches right now, uh, I think you just have to be uh, respectful of it's going to be different. It's mm-hmm. you can't be setting expectations that it's going to be better than your last launch. Right. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. I have the ability to see into um, a, a lot of clients um, like reader links accounts. So I can mm-hmm. see kind of just general trends and page reads and stuff like that. And it looks to me like page reads are d- down. Mm-hmm. Um, as a whole, when I look at, and you know, I know each one of these cases, so it's like, okay, well, there's a launch that kind of happened here and that. Uh-huh. So I think there's just some just general weirdness mm-hmm. um, that we have to be respectful of and understand that um, if you launch a book now, it may not 
roll out like you think it's going to roll out. But okay. the great thing is, is that you can revisit that, right? Like, right, exactly. Yeah, that's kind of, that's sort of where I've come down on. Like, yeah. if it doesn't go the way I want, when the second one comes out, I can then do, I could do something with the first one, you know. Or, if we're or when you, if you do an audio book, you can, yeah, exactly. when the audio book launches, you can kind of give yeah. a boost to the ebook. There, there are lots of that. We're, that's the great thing about us. We are nimble. I mean, we can yeah. pivot. And, you know, that's what I've always said about KDP. You know, if, if things change with that, I will pivot because that's what small businesses do. They Absolutely. Pivot. And so, um, but yeah, it's, well, it's to look at. Yeah. And that, you know, that my one concept about the reader writer relationship, right. That there's, um, the only relationship that matters, the whole ecosystem is built on it is the reader and the writer. Like if there's no readers, there's no money, mm-hmm. not for you, not for Amazon, not for reader links, not for Joe, it's no money. Right. Mm-hmm. And the readers aren't going to just shell out money unless they get good stories. So like that, that symbiotic relationship is what everything is built around mm-hmm. and it's going to go to wherever the most um, beneficial place is for it. Right now it's in KDP. But, you know, somebody could be doing something in their garage that's going to completely revolutionize how people digest that content. Mm-hmm. And that's where it'll go to, right? So you, and it, that's where you're absolutely right, Jamie, in that you're going to be able to get there faster than anybody else. Right, right. That's the real power of this community is because people are listening to podcasts like this and they're like, oh, yeah, I think I'll, you know, I'll try that. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. what's the worst happens? It doesn't work. Right. Yeah. So what do you wish you'd known about getting through an economic downturn? Because you've been through a couple of them. In- <laughs> <laughs> I have. And, um, you know, I think that some of the things I'm talking about here is really the stuff that I wish I knew. Like um, one of the things that's frustrating for me in this community is that I understand today because of where I am in my experience, how powerful business tools can be for creating wealth mm-hmm. and man and managing through these kind of situations. Um, and I know that a lot of authors, it isn't that they detest this stuff. It's that they were like, I was, you know, 15, 20 years ago that I just didn't understand that there were these tools to use. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when I look back and I think about how, um, you know, I just focused on sales. It's like, oh, um, there's this particular economic downturn. Um, you know, let's go back to the housing crisis. I was in uh, the building industrial water treatment equipment. A huge part of our business was municipalities, right? So every town that went up, they were using our equipment. All of a sudden, they're not buying anymore. So we were trying to focus on how could we sell more stuff somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I never looked at like, how do I manage the cash, right? And making decisions about, okay, um, you have to make these cuts, right? Because as small business owners, especially if we have employees, we have emotional relationships with these people. We know their kids. We know what's, what the mm-hmm. impact is going to be on them. So we take too long and don't cut deep enough. Mm-hmm. So that's a big part of it is like, because now we're talking about the most precious employee you have, you. Mm-hmm. Like, are you, to look at these things and make sure that you're prepared to cut this stuff. Like what happens if your business has half the sales this year? Mm-hmm. What you're going to have to, you're going to have to do something, mm-hmm. right? You're, or you're going to do something is, do you want to be something deliberate that you've planned or, mm-hmm. and a lot right. of times 
that just makes you have less sleepless nights because it's like, okay, I have this plan. This is what I'm going to do. If this happens, then I'll do that. Now I don't have to lay in bed wondering all these different scenarios. What, what would I do if that happened in this? It's like, okay. Right. Um, yeah, so I think that's the biggest thing is, um, you know, understanding how I can use business tools. That's something I wish I knew back then, especially cash flow because cash is king. Yeah. Especially in an economic downturn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, you look at, you know, um, Warren Buffett, Mm -hmm. where he's made his biggest major moves has been in economic downturns Mm -hmm. because he knows things are undervalued and people, he has this line about when the, when the tide goes out, you see who doesn't have a bathing suit on. (laughs) And, and that's a good time to be selling bathing suits. Right. Right? And you know, you think some of the most shrewd bankers in the world, Goldman Sachs, right? These guys uh, are deal makers. When the housing crisis hit, they were in so much trouble, they went to him and they needed his money to save that bank and they needed it as a vote of confidence. And he cut a deal that made him billions of dollars mm-hmm. with one phone call because mm-hmm. he was prepared, right? He had the money and he knew what to do. And, right. and um, yeah, so I think that um, having cash now, if you're early in this, this is your first one. This is about just making sure you got the cash to get to the other side. Mm-hmm. And that other side may be, you know, three, six, nine months out. We don't know. That's the one we thing. Is one, That's the hard part. Yeah. Right. So you, you really have to be careful and, and conserve because, um, you know, Illinois has been doing pretty well given a big city like Chicago because people have been kind of following the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, but does that mean we have to follow the rules into June? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah, I think Wuhan was, they were under quarantine for 76 days or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was saying it wrong the other day. That's why I took a minute to say <laughs> My family made fun of me about it, but um, I called it Hunan, but that's the name of my favorite restaurant. <laughs> uh, well, I think that's the right pronunciation. You should tell them that. Like, yeah. You're, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we're only like 20 something days in here in Texas, you know, yeah, so yeah. it, uh, it could be longer. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, I, think I, a, oh, I was just going to say, I think a lot of this is like, I'm risk adverse. And so I don't want to, you know, I, I like the idea of having savings. So we're pretty well set up, but at the same time, you have to figure out like, is it worth it to take a risk, a small risk, like you were saying to maybe, mm-hmm do certain things that you wouldn't normally do because there's an opportunity. And then you also have to think, there's a lot of things we have to think about because we have to think about like, you know, is this something that I can laugh? You know, there's so many variables. So if we can kind of make some plans where we have some certainty, it will make us feel better instead of just like ignoring the whole thing and just hoping it goes away. Well, that's it. And you know, um, we didn't talk about it, but if you, if you were a person that, um, previously had a full-time job and you were working for someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you're, you're the boss, you're in charge. You may feel a, a, a lot more uncertainty and a lot more scared because you, it's all on you. Mm-hmm. But I would argue that you have more certainty because you're, you're, everything's aligned in your business. The investor, management, employees, they all, they may have conflicting interests, but they're all your interests. You're all on the same page. <laughs> you're all, you're right. Like, 
And so if you're working, if you're working for me and we may have the strong relationship, I've been to your house for barbecues, I know your dog, all that stuff. But in the end, if it's about me getting rid of 20% of my workforce to save 80% and knowing that it's going to get the business to the other side mm-hmm. and you're part of that 20%, sorry, Charlie, yeah. like, I'm going to be broken up about it and you, you're going to feel really bad about your situation. You're not even going to think about how many sleepless nights I've had about thinking about breaking that news to you. Right. But like the point is, is you, you have so much more control now as a um, owner of your own business. And by the way, as little as you may know about running your business, the guy who owned the business you work for may have even less knowledge than you. (laughs) Don't assume just because he he just like, nobody starts a business because they're like, Hey, I want to run a business and I want to fill out tax forms and I want to, you know, that's my dream. Yeah. (laughs) It's like you got in, you got into whatever you got into because you're good at it and it made you money and now you have to have a business. Right. right. And so that's the same for the guy you used to work for. Mm-hmm. Like you're part of the problem when you're an employee is like, he just wanted to sell insurance. He just happened to need you to answer the phones. Right? Like, yeah. So I, I think we, we, um, if you just understand that, yeah, the, the decisions are yours and you're going to make some bad ones. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that I've learned is, is that, um, you're, you're never, let me put it this way. So I'm a, I'm a big planner, mm-hmm. right? I make a lot of plans. I can make super fancy plans that get you money. I can make plans like on the back of a napkin that will show you how you can run a whole business. None of those plans have ever been executed exactly per the plan, mm-hmm. right? It, it's given me a, an idea of what I'm trying to do, like what the end goals are and some ways to get there. And then you discover things along the way. And it was Eisenhower that said, um, uh, what is it? Um, plans are useless, but planning is essential. They're un- mm-hmm. indispensable, mm-hmm. right? It's, if, you have, if you have that process where you make some plans, you go and execute, you learn, and you, you figure out like what you didn't know when you made the plan, because that's like half of it is like, as you, when you go out in the field, then you learn things and you're like, okay, now that I know this, I changed the plan. That's cool, mm-hmm. right? Um, and everything in my life has turned out, even with some, what were some pretty, you know, perceived as some pretty big downturns, better than I ever would have planned for. Right. Right. Because if you're prepared and you roll at the punches, it's amazing how some things turn out that like you were resisting. Mm-hmm. And then like maybe you're pushed through it because of this. Like for, for example, there are going to be some people that are listening to this podcast that now is the time they're going to have to make a decision on whether they're going to focus on getting a new job or writing full time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, uh, each circumstance is different. All I would say is that whatever one you're going to do, go after it. Go all in. Go all in. Right. And the stuff we're talking about here can be applied. If you just found out you lost your job, right and you've been sort of writing and you got some stuff going, there's no reason why you can't do the exact same thing we talked about where you do some planning, you figure out how you're going to, you actually may be in a situation where you've got some cash flow now that you didn't have mm-hmm. while you have more time to write, mm-hmm. right? 
is this the time where you go in? And the thing that would be the worst thing you could do is fret about it. Should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? No, pick one, do it. And if it's go get a job, then do that. Well, I think that because Sarah is risk averse, I am not risk averse. (laughs) Well, that's worked for me sometimes. It also has bit me in the butt sometimes. So, but I think having a plan can make both of us feel like we're, you know, feel a little bit more in control and Mm -hmm. it keeps me from stepping over a line that maybe I shouldn't step over right now. And it, you know, makes Sarah feel like she's got lines around her. Lines everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, you, you don't you don't understand all the things that are in play. And I'll give you an example. So in, in the oil and gas industry, the previous business we were doing, um, our biggest investor when uh, we were when the oil price crashed, we went to him. We were looking for more money, not because we were trying to bail anything out, but we just wanted to get aggressive and buy our competitors. And buy, we just saw it as an opportunity to buy up. And we couldn't get any. We couldn't even get like responses from him. And um, what we didn't know was, is that like we were such a small investment for them and they were party to two of the largest bankruptcies in the industry at that point. So it's like, that's the other thing is, is that you're, you know, you're the center of your universe, but you're not the center of everybody's universe. (laughs) And that was a situation where like, okay, well, it doesn't matter what our grand plan is. Our biggest investor has said, this is our new plan. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, we have appreciated um, this so much. I, it's helped me. I've, I've taken notes. Over here. <laughs> right, we appreciate it very much. So where can people find you, find out more about you and um, yeah, all that good stuff. Sure. So the easiest thing is to go to uh, joesolari.com. That's J O E S O L A R I one word. And there's um you can sign up for my newsletter. There is a spot to um, sign up for um, one-on-one appointments with me. Um, it's something I've, I've always done for the author community. I've got a portion of each week, certain days set up where people can sign up. There's no cost where we just talk about their business, whether you've got a specific question or you just need to bounce ideas off me, you can do that. And there's also that um, spreadsheet I mentioned where you can, um, take your plan, put it in there, and then it has a way to stress test it where you say, okay, cut my sales by 20%, 30, 40, 50, and see where, you know, <laughs> where the leaks in the boat are. Okay. Yeah, that's that's great. great. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes. And um, you, um, you can find the show notes at wish I'd known them for writers.com. And we'd love to hear from you or all our listeners. Um, you can find Jamie on Facebook and I'm on Twitter and Instagram most of the time. So thanks for joining us. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me on. It's been fun. Thanks for listening to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.